0: You tell everybody what you are very good at. It can be anything at all. Don't be embarrassed. Just let everybody mm-hmm. know what you think you're really good at. Drawing. Hmm. Drawing. What is that? Drawing. 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 Yeah, drawing. drawing. Okay. Drawing. 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 Okay. <coughs> He's really good at drawing. He's an artist, right? You call yourself an artist? All right. So we have now here introduced to the church an, an artist. Okay. How did you discover that you're good at it? Because I really like to draw. Because you really like to draw. Okay. Um, did you? When did you discover that you are really good at drawing? When I draw a lot. When you draw a lot. That's like a year ago, two years ago. One year ago. One year ago. All right. So he discovered a year ago, about roughly, that he's really good at drawing and um, had. Did you have to do anything special? Did you pray? Did you do anything special to have this gift or this this talent? No. No. Okay. All right. So uh, thank you. Uh, All right. Same question. Um, What do you think that you're really good at? Math. You're really good at math. All right. So when did you discover that you're really good at math? When I first learned math. (laughs) When When did you first discover that you're really good at math? When I went to school. When was that? When I was at the age to go to school. All right. So it, it tells us that she doesn't remember exactly when it was, but math makes you excited, right? Sure. And you really good at it. You look forward to doing math homeworks. Sure. Sure. All right. So uh, did you have to do anything special to be good at math? No. No. You're just naturally good at it? Yeah. All right. You didn't have to pray to God to make you good at math. No. All right. right. Thank you. So why don't you have a seat? Now we have a mathematician and an artist. All right. Daniel? Yay. All right. Tell us what you're really good at. Being an athlete. All right. I'll take that one. (laughs) He's a really good athlete. Okay. Now, what what sport what athletic sport are you really good at? Tennis. (laughs) Yeah. Tennis. Tennis. All right, you're really good at tennis. When did you discover that you're really good at tennis? Last summer. Last summer. Um, Actually, two summers. Did, how how do did you come about uh, knowing that you're really good at tennis? What is it about tennis that tells you, like, this is my sport? That I keep being Debbie. That you keep on di- <laughs> beating Debbie. All right. So, all right. Did you have to do any spe- anything special? Like, you, you had to, like, God make me great at tennis? or anything like that to be good at tennis? Just practice. Just practice, all right. How often do you practice? Every time my dad takes me there. Uh, Tell me a little bit about the frequency, like every week, every other week, every month, every day. When he has time. When he has time, all right. So now we have an athlete, a tennis player specifically, uh, an artist, a mathematician, uh, a tennis player. All right, come on up here, um, uh, Sarah. All right, tell us what you're really good at. Um, what are you really good at? Craft. Huh? Craft. Oh, craft. You're missing front teeth, so you can't really... Uh, okay, craft. All right, I I used mis- use to have missing front teeth too. Don't worry about it, I'm not making fun of you. All right, you're really good at craft. How did you find out that you're really good at craft? Uh, building them. Oh, so you just started making them, right? Uh you like, like it? Um, does anyone force you to do it? No, you just like to do it right? Did you have to pray to God to say God make me good at craft building <laughs> Yes or no? Yeah? Okay. Alright, so now we have a craft desk Is that a word? You have an artist and now you have a craft desk Alright, take a seat Alright, so uh, Why don't I have someone a little bit older uh, Come up, alright Debbie Why don't you come up Seems like it's all a family uh, affair here. Mm-hmm. All right, what are you really good at? Living. Oh God, living. All right, is that a skill? Yeah. All right, uh, how do you find out that you're really good at living? Because I'm standing here right now. <laughs> all right, um, when did you discover that you're really good at? I have no idea. You have no idea. What is it about living that you're so good at? Everything. Everything. You're breathing. Mm-hmm. You're inhaling, mm-hmm. you're exhaling, mm-hmm. um, hmm? eating. Yep. Yeah? All right. So you discovered that you're really good at living. All right. She is a living person instead of a dead person, I guess. All right. Have a seat. I guess everybody All right. So what is my what is my purpose and my intent in, in, in having this small interview is to... Sort of highlight the fact that a lot of us have innate ability. Innate uh, meaning when you initiate, you start life, you are given a certain number of skills and a certain number of talents. And all those things are given to you without you ever asking for it. You were given those gifts. All right. I think that I've already gone over this three, three months already, uh, same topic, in fact, if you look at the, the biblical verse, the scripture that we're looking at today, is exactly the same one. It is Isaiah 43. Now you're going to say, oh my gosh, it's Isaiah 43 again. I will not leave Isaiah 43 because I haven't left Isaiah 43 because I'm still um, studying and looking at Isaiah 43. In fact, today we will not look at anything else other than Isaiah 43. So if you have your Bible, we will open up to Isaiah 43 and we will do something today. We will do something today that is given to me that I was actually trained to do and it's very simple and I hope that this particular life skill will help you. Um, this particular life skill is called soap. Anyone knows what soap is? Yeah. What is soap? You wash yourself with it. Soap is a detergent. It is allowing you to clean yourself with, but the soap that I'm talking about today is not exactly that kind of soap. The soap today is an acronym. It stands for, four letter, it has four letters in it, and I will explain to you what soap stands for. Soap start with S. S is scripture, right? We are reading the scripture. And then what's the next letter? O, very good, O. O is for observation. When you read a scripture, when you read anything, you have your observation you 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 look at it and you say I recognize something I see something I understand something what's the next letter A A is for application right so you have a scripture you have something that is written you read it and you have your observation I see something and then what you need to do is you need to apply it to your life and what do you think P stands for prayer very good (laughs) Being here that we're in a church, of course, you know, that's what we all Christians do is we pray. We pray that we can actually use that scripture in our life to apply it, to be consistent, to actually do it. We ask God for the strength, for the wisdom, for the ability to apply in our lives. Again, this comes back to why I asked a whole bunch of people to come up to share with us the abilities that they have, what they're really good at, right? And one of the things that you're not going to be really good at is prayer, <laughs> reading the Bible, right? I haven't, I haven't seen anybody say, well, uh, one of my talents is to read the Bible, or one of my talent is to pray. right? I haven't, I haven't heard that, so today this is something that we need to work on. This is something that we actually have to work really hard on. So let me start with this. Instead of going directly into Isaiah 43, let me relate to you three important things that I have heard over the years, when I was actually Daniel's age, I heard something, and it stuck with me. And let me share with you that one thing. Right? The, what do you think is the purpose of church? Not this building, but what is the purpose of us coming into here today and every Sunday of our lives? What do you think the purpose is? This is the purpose that was told to me, and I still agree with it today. And let me relay that to you. The purpose of church... It's for you to come in here, and for number one, it's to honor and glorify God, right? Everybody agrees with this. This is why we have worship. This is why we all, um, you know, sing songs. We all offer up to God his, uh, his glory, his honor. We say how great he is, right? We glorify God in the house of God, all right? The second purpose of going to church is so that we can build up the body. That means that we are building up each other. How do we do that? We do that by letting each other know what God wants, building us up emotionally, mentally, physically, if possible. That's like through, through games or through other people torturing you to build you up resistance and endurance for the torture that you will endure in life. Right? That's how we build up the body. And then for the third thing that we need to do as a body here is that we need to witness the world. So all these three, three things you say, ah, I have three different tasks to do. In reality, it's just one. There's only one thing that we actually do, and it encompasses everything else that we do, and that is to glorify and to give God the honor, right? When you build up your brothers, when you build up your sisters, you are glorifying God because you are following His, uh, His words. When you witness to the world, you are also honoring God and glorifying Him because you are following His, His, His command. So in all that we do, Everything that we do, it encompasses in only one thing, and that is Colossians 3.23. Whatever I do, I do unto God, not unto men. So everything that we do encompasses in just one verse. Can you imagine if one verse has the ability, has the power to, to summarize up your entire life, the entire purpose of your life? How much more is the entire Bible that is in front of you? It is, it is many, many, many more verses. How much more powerful it is for us to understand all of that? And the reason why I'm sharing this message today, why we're staying only within Isaiah 43, is to be able to amplify, to be able to succinctly deliver to you an understanding of why we do what we do as a church here, and what you need to do at home to be able to make yourself successful. Now, I'm gonna repeat myself a lot. If you haven't already heard me, I am repeating myself a lot today. I'm gonna repeat a lot of the word I, I'm going to repeat a lot of the word, repeat, and it's going to just be a, a repetition of a lot of simple words. Okay? The reason why I'm doing this is so you can get a sense of life is all about repetition. Let me give you an example. When you want to be a good athlete, right? ask Nehemi, ask Ben, ask anybody who's ever done a sport, what do you do? You just do the same drill over and over. You do. Uh, freestyle, free you do breaststroke, right, as a runner what do you do? You run, right, as a jumper what do you do? You jump, every day you go to the tracking, or you, you go to your place of practice and what do you do? You repeat, you repeat the exact same sequence day in day out. You know, one of the things that I, uh, I do uh, Tuesday, Thursday and Saturday of every week is that I go to the gym, and I go to the gym and every single day I, do, I get on a treadmill, I run for for 20 minutes, right, uh, approximately about two miles or so, and I walk for five minutes. I get off the treadmill. I'm drenched with sweat. I go to the paper t- towel dispenser. I pull out 12 sheets of, of paper towel, okay, t- exactly 12. All right? I take the, the the pack of paper towel. I spray it down with, with uh, disinfectant on both sides. It takes about 30 seconds. I walk to, over to the first machine, and I do curl. I do five sets, right? and then I walk over to the uh, You know, so essentially it's a routine, I do exactly the same routine. It takes me about uh, one hour, 38 minutes, then I get into the shower, and then I shower, and I get back in the car, I go home, okay? Occasionally, uh, my wife will join me. (laughs) I'm making fun of her. She joins me every single time, right? So this is our routine every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, either after work or on Saturday in the morning. This is our routine, right? I go to the gym, I started this routine in February, right? And uh, what has it gotten me up to this point, all this repetition? No, that's exactly the point I'm gonna make. I'm not any different, I'm not physically stronger, I haven't grown an inch of muscle, right? It's not that, it's not that I go to the gym, I, I work out for three long months and all of a sudden I look like Arnold. I don't look like Arnold. Who is Arno? <laughs> Great question, right, he is no one at all. He is no one of any importance. But this is exactly my point. It isn't so that I can achieve some high lofty goal. We go and we practice and, and, and for anyone who play a musical instrument, right, what do you do? You practice, you go and you practice. Does it make you any better? Sort of, sometimes, sometimes. It depends on the person, right? Or if you are, um, If if you go to school, not if, when you go to school, you do the same thing over and over, right? You go to school, and what do you do when you get home? You do your homework. Do you feel any smarter? Sort of. (laughs) Depends on the person. right? The key to life, my friends, is this. You do the same thing over and over and over and over, right? And sometimes you don't see any benefit in it at all. You don't see that you're growing inches of muscle. You don't look like you're beefed up. You don't look, you, you know, uh, when I was in in high school and I run track, right? I do the 440, uh, one circle around the track. I was stuck at 62.2 for the longest time, for like a year, okay? It's because I kept on doing exactly the same thing. Start out really fast and then go and then burn myself out and then slow down, slow down. I could never break the one minute mark, okay? Until I worked with a coach, and the coach said, you know what, why don't you pace yourself down at the beginning, reserve your energy and, and, and really go all out at the end. Your 100 last meter, you just go all out. Instead of going all out at the beginning, you go all out at the end, right? Just build up a comfortable speed, and then you go all out at the end, right? In the beginning I was like, dude, that's hard, like how do I know, even know what all out is? I am doing all out at the end, I'm still not any better, right? But I listen, I modulate it, I change, there has to be a change. You do the same thing, but you have to recognize where you are. You change, you modify, you want to have that purpose, I want to break the 60 seconds. By the end of my second year, I was doing 52 seconds, right? This is exactly what every athlete understands. It's not that you do exactly the same thing over and over, it's that you modulate, you change little things. You change key things because you want to achieve something. Um, and the last example that I want to give before I go into the message is this. Okay, did anybody see uh, the Warriors games last night? It was terrible. It was the worst game. Like, I was sitting there. I wasn't even watching the game. Okay? But uh, what I did watch is the ending. The end is where uh, Coach Pavovich, which is the coach for the San Antonio Spurs, he was giving a, a very brief conference. It's little, roughly about 30 seconds or so. He got up on the, onto the podium. They were asking him two questions. I don't remember what one of the other questions was, but the second question was, how do you think your team did? And you know his face was very sad because they just lost, right? His face was really sad, and he looked into the camera, and he said with full honesty, as you can see from his face, he said, my team did everything that was asked of them. They could not have done better. That's all he said. My team did everything that they, have been asked of and they could not have done better and they lost. Do you know what they're doing today? After they lost? Yeah, they're practicing. (laughs) They're going back in the gym. They're practicing for the next game. Life is all about repetition. Even when you lose, even when you didn't achieve the goal that you wanted, even when you have aspiration to be the best, even when you have aspiration to be better, sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And what do you do? You go and you repeat everything that you have done in the prior day. You go back to doing homework, going back to practicing, you're going back to repeating the same thing over and over. And it's not that you desire to do so, it's not because you want to do that, it is because that is what you need to do. Okay. Let me uh, go into Isaiah 43. What we're going to do right now is soap. Okay? This is what I do and I hope that this particular skill set that I'm about to share with you will help you to read the Bible, to look at scripture verses, to look at it and see how does it apply to me and how will this help me, right? Before I do that, let me, let me, uh, let, let me uh, share with you something that probably a lot of you already know, okay? Calvin here, right? Calvin who sits right here, right in front of you, right? I'm very proud of this young man. I'm even more proud uh, of Barista of than Calvin, but let me talk about Calvin first, right? Right, so he is a little bit behind in his, in, in his Awana book, right, like some of you are. And, um, and so to encourage him to study harder, what do I do, what did I do? I haven't, right, I haven't given you any tea yet, right, I haven't, right. Today will be my fulfillment of that, of that promise, but I haven't. And yet, with that promise, right, Calvin is actually, progressed, he has studied, and he has actually finished a lot of sections. I don't know how many. I haven't kept, really kept track. But the, the whole purpose to church, the whole purpose why we're here, is so that we can encourage each other, to push each other to do more, to do better, to excel, and to achieve. That is the, peop- that's the reason why we're here. The reason why we're here is to build you up. Very similarly with Dylan, similarly with Marissa, right? What we want to do is to help you achieve. If that means that we're going to have to feed you milk tea, <coughs> problem solved. If all it is, if all of life pre- problems can be solved with milk tea, by golly, I'll own a store, right? But all of life problem isn't solved with milk tea, unfortunately. All of life problem, I suspect, is solved when you know the Bible. That is the reason why we're here. The reason why we're here is because we believe That the Bible, God, has a solution for all of life problems. And we want you to be successful in knowing God's word and having a relationship with God so that He can solve all your problems. Again, let me reiterate: if all of life's problems can be solved with milk tea, man, the church will be a milk tea shop. Seriously, we would have a milk tea shop right here if all of life problem can be solved with milk tea. But unfortunately, life problem can only be solved with God's word and God himself. As my uh, pastor in Philadelphia once told us, and he repeats this every single Sunday, right? He said, "The the only person who can solve your life problem is the one who created it, God. Okay, So let him do what he does best. So this is the reason why we're here. So let us go into Isaiah 43, verse 1. There is a relational establishment between God and man that God wants us to understand. He wants us to understand this thing. Isaiah 43, verse 1. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. Don't have any fear. Do not have any fear at all. Right? What do you fear today? You fear that when, 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 when you do something embarrassing, people will laugh at you. You fear that no one will care for you. You fear that you'll be alone for the rest of your life. That you have no friends, that you got no one who likes you on Facebook, right? No, those are not your fears. There are fears that you have that I have no idea about, but I know that God does, right? And how do we keep on repeating this? I don't know what your fears are. I don't know what your problems are, but I know God has the answer. But I know that God knows what your problems are, okay? You didn't do anything to deserve God's affection. You didn't do anything for God to say, don't have any fear. I got you. I got this. You, ha- you have not done anything to do that. right? He's speaking to everyone from Sarah all the way up to the oldest person. Like, so he's saying the exact same thing. Don't fear anything. Don't be afraid. Right? So what am I supposed to do if I don't have any fear? What am I supposed to do instead of being fearful? What you are asked to do is to be a witness. All of Isaiah 43 boils down to only one key verse, one key word, okay? and that is witness. Be a witness for God. Now, I'm, I'm throwing that out there because I want you to think about that word as the rest of this message is being shared. All God wants from you is to be a witness. That's it, one word, witness. I will come back to this verse in about 20 minutes or so, and we will conclude on that word, witness, okay? Not a Jehovah witness, that's a religion. Just simply witness. You, God wants you to be his witness. Okay? Not to follow a religion. Okay? Just be his witness. What that means, what that entails, what that means to you today will be explained in this message. Okay? Isaiah verse 40, uh, chapter 42 verse 2 says this. When you pass through the water, I will be with you. When you pass through the river, it will not sweep over you. When you walk through fire, you will not be burned. The flame will not set you ablaze. He said, don't be afraid. There are gonna be a lot of hard situations that you're gonna go through, but you will go through it. But the most important thing you have to understand is that it cannot kill you. It cannot overcome you. It will not drown you. It will not burn you. It will not do anything to you at all. So do not be afraid. Don't fear the things that are coming at you, that you are in the middle of, that seems difficult, that seems overpowering. Don't be afraid. Why? Because He is with you. Now, it's easier said and done, right? I got this. Like, God forgot to say this. You didn't even hear it. You're hearing it through this verse. You're hearing it through me. I can't save you, like I said. I don't even know what your problems are. I have no idea what your fears are. For me to say it to you, it means absolutely nothing. You're saying, you can't help me. You can't save me. God isn't here. I don't see Him. And yet, what I'm telling you is, this is what God's saying. He's saying, don't be afraid do not be afraid in verse 4 repeat again you are again redeemed repeating you are redeemed god's got you in his hand since you are precious and honor in my sight and because i love you i will give people in exchange for you nations in exchange for your life god is willing to exchange worlds nations a lot of people for you he's he's laying it out do not be afraid I'm with you through all the hardships and all the things that you had to, to face. And in fact, I honor and I love you, and I'm willing to exchange a whole lot of people's lives for you. Okay? That is what God is saying. Again, in verse five, he said again, do not be afraid. Okay? Why, why is there so much repetition? Why am I repeating myself so much? Okay? Because there are fundamentally only two things that drives you, fear and passion. When we did the little interview earlier, right? Nathan came up and he said, I'm good at drawing. And I asked him, why? He says, because I like to draw. Sarah, right? Very young. She said, she's good at craft. Why is she good at craft? Because she likes it. She likes to do it. Okay? Now, if you ask an adult, right? And you ask them, it's like, why do you go to work? Some people will say, because I love my job. Right? You ask me, I'll tell you, I love my job. My job is, I have no idea. I make it up as I go, right? It's just like Sarah and Nathan. I just make it up as I go, right? No one tells me what I need to do, so I just make it up as I I go. That's why I love my job. For other people, it's like, man, I really love my job because it pays me. Because ultimately, what it does is that it pays the bill, right? Because I'm afraid that if I don't do my job, I'm not going to be able to take care of what I need to take care of. It is fear that drives us, right? Why do we want to do well in school? There's only two reasons. Number one is because I really love school, like Joanne, right? I really love math, right? I really love math. I'm going to do math day in, day out. Sure, she said, right? I'm going to do math day in, day out because I love math, right? When did she get to trig? <laughs> and then let me ask her again whether or not she still loves math or not, right? Maybe she will. Maybe she'll be like me and say, no, I don't really don't like math anymore. Uh, but, or there's another reason why. We go to school because of shame, fear that we cannot be as good as our friends, be afraid that we are not as smart, right? We don't do as well, right? So we try really hard to cover what the gap is between our intelligence and our friends, right? I don't know how your school does it, but in, 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 uh, when I was going to school, they rank us uh, by our rank in the entire class. So let's just say you're a junior. They have 400 students in the junior class. They rank you from one to 400. And they actually put up a sign that puts your last name, your first name, and then your rank number, right? So you go and you look and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm down here. So shameful, so shameful, right? And then so what you do is out of that fear, you try to do harder. You try to work harder to elevate yourself. I will come back to this word elevate in a minute again. But again, that's fear. It's not because you love school. It's because they shame you! They put your name up there and you look and you say, Oh my gosh, I'm dumb! (laughs) Right? And it shames you. And you have to do better to try to overcome that shame. It's either fear or passion. Those are the only two things that drives us. It's either that we are afraid, or it is because we love doing Do not be afraid. God's telling you there are only two ways of doing life. One is our fear. The other one is our passion. God says, do it out of passion. Now, when we come back to the word witness, we will talk about what that passion entails. Okay? Again, he comes back and he said, don't be afraid. You're not alone. He gives you another, another perspective here. Don't be afraid because you're not alone. You think that you're the only one with fear? You think that you're the only one who has things to be fearful of? Don't be afraid. In verse 6 through 7, he said, I will say to the north, give them up, to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I have made. form and made, right? God is saying, I made everything. Now let's gather up everyone. Bring them forth to me. Come, let them come back to me. You can only not be afraid of the things that you don't understand, of the things that you don't know, when you know that God has gotten in your life, right? Okay. So that's just a preamble, that's just the introduction to all of why you should not be afraid, why you should be a witness for God, and what does that entail. Okay, in the second part, this message talks about this. What is the purpose of this relationship? Again, I want to go back and say the purpose of this relationship between you and God is so you can be a witness for him. Okay? Isaiah 43 verse 10 says, You are my witnesses, and my servant, Right. he leaves no Question in what he wants from you. He says again, let me re- re- reiterate this point. You are my witnesses and my servant whom I have chosen so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he, period. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Aside from God, he said, there is no one else for you to rely on. If you want to have no fear, look at me. If you want your life to have meaning, Look at me. If you want your life to be rich, look at me. Besides him, there is no one else. Before him, after him, no one else. If you look to other things out there, nothing there. The only thing that is guaranteed is God. So therefore, the only thing that you can be is be his witness. That is what that verse says. You are my witnesses, my servant who I have chosen. That's what he is telling you. That is your purpose for your life, okay? Why is this important? Isaiah verse 43 verse 8 says this, Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. Your purpose in being witnesses is for that single purpose only. There are people who are blind, yet they have eyes, they are, have ears and yet they're deaf, and your purpose in life is to be witnesses to those particular people. You are to witness to them something, We'll get to that something in the end. So God has chosen you. God has ordained you. He has called you to be his servant. He has called you, designed you to be his witnesses, right? To be able to witness to those who are blind and those who are deaf. Now, let's look at that for a moment. What happened to you when you're blind? You cannot see. What happened when you are deaf? You cannot hear. You lack the sensory optical sensory, audible sensory, to understand the world around you, right? A blind person goes through life, right? And they feel everything. We try to get a glimpse, try to get an understanding of the world around them. A deaf person will never hear sound, so you can try to explain to them how wonderful, great a piece of music is. They're not gonna be able to understand you, right? Or you can say, man, listen to this. Listen to this poem. How it rhymes? You can't say that to a deaf person. You can rhyme your your you know. You can rhyme until your mouth a little dries out. They're not going to be able to understand you. They can't hear you. What God is saying here is that He has designed you to be witnesses until people who don't see and who cannot hear. They lack something that you have been specifically gifted to highlight to them. It's designed. Okay. God has designed you for that purpose. Now the next verse is very interesting, and, and it's one that I have struggled with for many, many years, and today I don't struggle with it anymore. And I wanted to just briefly go over it because this, this is sort of deep. In Isaiah verse uh, uh, chapter 43, verse 9 says, "All nations gather together, and people assemble. Which of their gods unfold this, or Which of their gods foretold this and proclaim to us the former things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right, so that others may hear and say it is true. Okay, I've read over this verse many, many months now, and it confounded me, okay? And all I can say to you today is that my understanding of this verse is simply this. There are many people who say, I I know the way. There are many people who will come to you and say, I have the solution, okay? They will come to you and say, what you believe in is not real, it's not true, I have the right answer, okay? And what you need to understand is that everybody else may have their point. They have their opinion. They're entitled entitled to it. Um, At one point in my life, not too long ago, I believed this. That the church has a social responsibility. That a church must be able to be the hands and feet of God to help those who are less fortunate. And to that end, we serve a lot of different communities. We serve those who are homeless. We serve those who are hungry. We serve a lot of people who have different needs. We uh, help children who, who need tutoring. Okay? I've literally you know, gone out and volunteered to build houses for the homeless and so on and so forth. And the reason why I'm conflicted with reading this particular verse is that while I believe that we have social responsibilities, I don't believe that that is the calling of the church. The calling of the church isn't to help people in their current conditions, right? <laughs> and let me explain. Let me clarify that for you, so you, so that you can see where I'm coming from. All right. Every Wednesday we cook a meal, okay, and we go out to the corner of Philbert and 11th Street. There is no covering over our heads, and it could be snow outside, and we will go out there every Wednesday night. Right. 7 p.m. on the dot every single every single Wednesday. Okay. We cook food. We bring it out there. Uh, I took the train to take the food there. Okay. So. All of this is telling you that I'm really dedicated in this. (laughs) I'm really dedicated in this uh, uh, really fallacious uh, uh, action that I have, right? It's a fallacy, it's it's absolutely wrong now that I'm thinking about it, right? So every Wednesday we go out there and we help these poor folks have dinner, right? And then what I do is I come home and I ask myself the question, okay, uh, we fed them on Wednesday. What happened on Thursday, (laughs) right? What happened on Friday? What happened on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and Tuesday? I do not have the ability to help these folks. I understand my limited contribution as absolutely insignificant in their life. We're only talking about dinner. We haven't talked about breakfast, lunch. We haven't even talked about snack. Let me, sh- let me see a show of hands here. How many people actually eat three meals a day? How many eat more than three meals a day? Right. So I. I do the, the rough math and I'm saying, man, I'm not even contributing 10%. I'm not helping them with 10% of their daily needs, okay? What am I doing this for? This is crazy. I'm not giving them anything. Thank you very much. Exactly, I'm not doing it for them. I'm doing it to appease my own conscience that I'm not giving them anything real. I'm not giving them anything. I'm not giving them a real solution. I have my own belief. I believe that I can feed them once a, a week, and I, I'm actually helping them. No, that's my belief. That's what I believe in. And as wrong as I am, no one stops me. Because oh my God, you're doing a great thing. Go keep on going, doing doing that, right? No one stops me. No one tells me what I'm doing is stupid. I'm the only one who can tell myself what you're doing is stupid. You're not giving them a lifelong solution. You haven't really helped them to go out be able to escape from their predicament, their situation. I haven't done anything to elevate them out of that social condition. Nothing to elevate them out of that condition. Okay? That is what God wants from us, every single one of us, is to be able to elevate us out of our current mentality, elevate us out of our current predicaments. What we are stuck in is this mental capacity to limit ourselves. That's the only thing that we have. We will say to ourselves, I'm afraid of moving on. I'm afraid of taking the next step. I'm afraid of elevating because I don't know what will happen. Okay? And what, is, what God is telling you right here and right now is that do not be afraid. He will give you the opportunity. He will give you the tools to elevate. Right? So what I did, what a lot of us did, is not the wisest thing. Right? But again, you have to be able to go through that experience. God allows us to go through that experience to be able to say to ourselves, Man, this is, this is totally nonsense. Church responsibility is not social. Church responsibility. There's a lot of religions out there. There's a lot of organizations out there that is designed specifically for this, to help the homeless, to help feed the people who don't have food. They're good at it. Let them do it, okay? What we need to do as a, as a church to, is to feel, fulfill that one responsibility, is to g- give glory and honor to God in all that we do, okay? That is to build up the church in its physical, in its emotional, in its spiritual aspect. To build each other up here, emotionally, spiritually, allow us to be strengthened. Okay. So, what does God need from his witness? What does God need from us? What does God want us to get? Isaiah 43, verse 11 through 13. I'm almost out of time here, but you know I have only gone through half, of the, half the chapter. So, again, let me... Uh, explain. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. That's what all you do. You go home, you read the scripture, you ask, what do I see in this? You ask, how do I apply this to my life? And you say to God, God, help me. Help me make this real. If you can do this, I'm not going to guarantee you that tomorrow you're going to be Billy Graham or some great preacher of God. What I can tell you is that you will find God's purpose for your life, All right? Let me, let me move to the conclusion here, All right? In the end, what does God want from us? God simply just wants from us one very simple thing, is to be his witness. For you to be a witness of anything, you need to see something, All right? And I thank God for the opportunity to go hiking yesterday because it gave me such a clear example. We were hiking in Point Reyes yesterday, okay? We were supposed to go to uh, the, the waterfall, uh, Alamir waterfall. because This is one of the two waterfalls in California where the water falls from the rock and it goes into the ocean. This is one of the two. The other one is uh, down in uh, Big Sur and is right now closed off. You can't really get to it because the road collapsed. Okay, so we were, we were trying to get there. We were going on this four-mile hike right? and we kept on hiking and then we went forth and we saw a fork in the road and at that fork in the road neither one of those indicated that the fall was anywhere near there. So what did I do? I pull out my phone, right? I was like, gosh, we've gone beyond the point where we need to make a turn, right? Everybody's like, you're crazy, right? So what happened is that there are two other hikers, they pull out their phones, like, ah, we're not where we're supposed to be, right? So we backtrack. we backtrack to where the trailhead to go down to the waterfall is, and you know what? On the ground, there was a little, like, this is, there's a formation, like a little couple of stones put together, and it forms like a little arrow on the, on, on the ground, okay? There's a little arrow. I didn't even see it in the beginning because I was just uh, too busy to look at my phone. It's like, well, the trail's supposed to be some, somewhere here. And the other two hikers, they've already gotten there. They're like, is this it? Is this where we need to turn? Because you know what? There are a whole bunch of bushes that sort of form like this, this little covering. There's a little hole, right? It's really short. Like even a short guy like me has to stoop down to go through it. And it's like... Gosh, that's a trailhead. You know, immediately it reminds me, like, you know, why is the path that leads to destruction but narrow and straight the way to eternal life? You know, so it's like there's a little hole right here in the bushes. That's where you're supposed to go. That's the trailhead. Okay, so we went down to the waterfall, took a whole bunch of pictures, got some great videos, and we walked back. You know, immediately, you know, inside my mind, it's like witness. I gotta be witnesses. For this little rock guy down here, right? This rock formation, this arrow right here, that is a witness. It's when you see something, when you recognize something, right? So what? What do I do? Go to the next set of hikers and say, if you're going to waterfall, you gotta look for the little stones on the ground. You know, that points to a little hole. You need to go through that hole. That will take you to the waterfall. And along the way, that's what I keep on telling people, right? In the back of my mind, it's like, man, this is crazy. They might not want to hear me. They might already know about the little stones on the ground, right? So what holds me back is that I don't want to appear like that guy, that guy who appears to know it all. I don't want to hear you. I already know about the stones on the ground. Why are you telling me this stuff? But it doesn't matter. The role of a witness is that when you have seen something, when you have already experienced something great, like a waterfall that everybody's looking for, your role, your responsibility, it's a point out to them how they can get there. Our role, our responsibility, is when we have already witnessed God Almighty, when we already have already known who God is, when we already recognize what He can do. Our sole responsibility is to be able to look at the next person over and say, Man, have you met God? Have you seen Him? Do you know He can solve all your problems? We cannot be witnesses to God unless we know God. And the quintessential part of this chapter right here is God is t- telling you this. You can see me. You can know me. I welcome you to know me. Let me go to the verse that you need, to, you, you need to memorize. Isaiah 43, 25. Okay, this is the one thing that we all concern ourselves with. And the one thing that God said, you don't need to be concerned with this. Okay. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake. And remember your sins no more. Look, a lot of people come to church because they're saying, I'm sinful. I don't deserve this. I need help. I need to be rescued. I have a lot of issues. I am under a lot of different things. I want to cry out to God to help me. Right? God said, I got it. I've gotten all of your issues all worked out. I have the answers. Just come. Just come. I'll take care of it. But somebody has to be able to bring them into God's house. Somebody has to make that introduction for them to know who God is. And who is that going to be? It could be you. It could be me. The only thing that God is asking you to do is to be that person. Be his witness. Show them the little cave. Point to the little rocks on the ground. Tell, take a little picture with your phone and say, this is what you're looking for. What you got to do is you got to know God. And you say, This is what you're looking for. Not any of those theology or philosophy or whatever-ee e is out there. The only thing you need is not more philosophy or whatever. The only thing that you need to resolve the issues in your life is God. That is a witness. And you can only get there if you have the experience with God. So God today is calling you to get to know Him. How do you get to know Him? It's through soap. Well, that is my, what I have done. Read his scripture, look at the observations, ask the question, how does this apply to my life? And then pray. Pray that it applies to you. Pray praise, praise that you can apply it to your life so that you can be a witness, so you can help them spiritually, help on a, on a fundamental level, not feeding them once out of a week and asking, is that enough? Really, be a person who can really help someone else at a fundamental level. And I will just leave you with one example that we all know, right? At the beautiful gate, right, Peter and John was walking along, there was, there was a homeless guy, right, begging, lame guy, sitting on the ground, right? Famously, they say, silver and gold, I have not. I don't have silver. I don't have gold. I have nothing that, that, that the world wants. But the one thing I have I will freely and gladly give it to you. In the name of Jesus, get up and walk. That is what we need. As witnesses, that is what we need. We need to have that kind of experience with God. We need to have that immersion with God. We need to have the full understanding of who God is to us. So we can say to someone else, what I have is what you need. What I have is God. and That's who you need. That is the purpose of a witness. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord God. I pray that we give you all the glory. We give you all the honors, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would allow us to come together to build each other up, Lord God. We pray that you would give us every opportunity, every tool, everything at our disposal, Lord God, make our brothers, our sisters, Lord, stronger in you, for them to be witnesses of you and for you so that they can see you, so that you can, they can see your mighty hands, so they can see how you have helped them, Lord God. And in turn, they can help others come to you. Lord God, today I, I ask for true conversions of our heart, Lord God, so that we can actually witness you to then become witnesses ourselves, Lord, to be fully converted and to be, uh, to be immersed completely in you, Lord God to know that you are the only source of life and the only source of solutions for our problems. Lord, I pray that we would be removed from all fearful situations, that we have no longer have any more fears in our lives, that we walk boldly, not because of our own understanding, not because of our own abilities, Lord God, but we are confident and we are bold because you are behind us, that you propel us forward, that you have got everything covered. Lord God, allow us to believe. Believe that you are the one who is leading our lives and that your purpose for our life is to be your witness, Lord God. In all that we do, in all that we say, Lord God, let us glorify you. Let us be witnesses unto you, Lord God. I pray that you will be with us for the rest of today and for the rest of our lives, Lord God. Allow us to experience you so clearly each day that we can be effective witnesses for you. I thank you, Lord, and I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.